Welcome to the Adams Road podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. Every week we examine a chapter in the Bible and share music filled with God's Word. You can find our weekly content by searching Adams Road podcast on your podcast app. Let's start today by listening through Hebrews chapter 6. Therefore, leaving the teaching of the first principles of Christ, let us press on to perfection, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, of faith toward God, of the teaching of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. This will we do, if God permits. For concerning those who were once enlightened and tasted of the heavenly gift, and were made partakers of the Holy Spirit, and tasted the good word of God, and the powers of the age to come, and then fell away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance, seeing that they crucify the Son of God for themselves again, and put Him to open shame. For the land which has drunk the rain that comes often on it, and produces a crop suitable for them, for whose sake it is also tilled, receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned. But, beloved, we are persuaded of better things for you, and things that accompany salvation, even though we speak like this. For God is not unrighteous, so as to forget your work in the labor of love, which you showed towards his name, in that you served the saints, and still do serve them. We desire that each of you may show the same diligence to the fullness of hope, even to the end, that you won't be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and perseverance inherited the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely, blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. Thus having patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by a greater one, and in every dispute of theirs, the oath is final for confirmation. In this way God, being determined to show more abundantly to the heirs of the promise the immutability of his counsel, interposed with an oath, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we may have strong encouragement, who have fled for refuge to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have is an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and entering into that which is within the veil. Whereas a forerunner, Jesus entered for us, having become a high priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. Those first couple of verses talk about the first principles of Christ, and they involve the following, repentance from dead works and faith toward God, baptisms laying on of hands, the resurrection from the dead, and eternal judgment. Knowing that this is being written to Jewish Christians, some have noted that everything listed regarding these rudiments aren't necessarily distinctly Christian, but could be said about Judaism as well. Also, some argue that the plural word baptisms not just baptism, but baptisms, for example, used in this list, maybe isn't a reference to the Christian baptism, but to the Jewish ceremonial washings. It is, after all, the same Greek word used in Hebrews 9.10, 
and Mark 7.4, which are referencing the ceremonial washings of Judaism. In that case, maybe the writer is urging them to move beyond these foundational principles, which they had known from their upbringing in Judaism into the full maturity of Christ. The temptation for Christian Jews at that time was to fall back into Judaism and deny the full revelation of Jesus. Maybe the writer wants these Jewish Christians to stand out unashamedly in the things that are distinctly Christian, fully embracing them regardless of the cost. Now, as mentioned, these first principles of Christ seem to be present in the Old Covenant system as well. However, they certainly gain a new significance in the Christian context as we understand those rudiments more richly in light of the New Testament teachings. Okay, the next section here in Hebrews 6, verses 3 through 6. This we will do, meaning we will move past these rudimentary teachings, if God permits. For concerning those who were once enlightened and tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Spirit and tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and then fell away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance seeing they crucify the Son of God for themselves again and put him to open shame. Guys, this is a difficult passage and a much debated one in Christianity. The phrase, tasted of the heavenly gift, in verse 4, seems to be speaking of a full, real experience, as in how Jesus tasted death in Hebrews 2.9. These people mentioned were partakers of the Holy Spirit, which may indicate them having received the Holy Spirit and having had fellowship with the Holy Spirit. There are many ways people try to understand and interpret this passage in attempting to reconcile it with other biblical teachings. We don't have time to explore every interpretation here within this program today. One thing is clear from this passage in light of its context. It is a stern warning against falling away from Christ. Let me first say though, I don't believe this passage is to be referring to people who backslide in their Christian walk with sin. If that were the case, who then could be saved as we all stumble with sin at times and in various ways? So don't let this passage rob you of the assurance you should have in Christ if you are trusting in the finished work of Christ on the cross for your salvation. So then how are we to understand Hebrews 4, 4 through 6? This passage in its context with the rest of Hebrews seems to be referring to those who would turn from trusting in the completed work of Jesus for their salvation to the works and rituals of the old law, which Christ had fulfilled, in order to earn good standing with God. The writer appears to be warning his Jewish Christian audience against turning away from Christ and retreating back to the ritual practices of Judaism, which Jesus had fulfilled through the cross. This Hebrews passage seems to be similar to the warning given in Galatians 5.4. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. You see, by going back to trusting in and embracing the animal sacrificial system of the Mosaic law of commandments expressed in those ordinances, they would be denying the total work of Jesus for them on the cross. The Apostle Paul teaches in Ephesians 2.15-16, for example, that Christ has abolished the law of commandments expressed in ordinances through the cross. Why go back to trusting in something Jesus has abolished? One must trust in Christ alone for salvation. He is enough. John 3.18 puts it this way, Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever does not believe is condemned already 
because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Guys, you want assurance of your salvation? Simply believe in Jesus. Hold fast to the confession of your hope without wavering. Abide in him. You want no assurance of your salvation? Trust in rituals to save you. Trust in fallible men. Trust in your works. Trust in religion. To turn away from Jesus after having been once enlightened, if it were possible, is to turn away from salvation. He is our salvation. One cannot have salvation without having Jesus. Now I came across an insight from the footnotes in the New English translation that may be helpful in trying to understand this difficult passage here in Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. Let's read that passage one more time. For concerning those who were once enlightened and tasted of the heavenly gift, who were made partakers of the Holy Spirit, and tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then fell away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance, seeing they crucify the Son of God for themselves again, and put him to open shame. So one of the footnotes for verse 6 in the New English translation indicates that the Greek phrase, crucifying again for themselves the Son of God, can be understood as either causal or temporal. To understand this phrase as causal, for example, it would read, seeing they crucify the Son of God for themselves again, or something like, since they crucify the Son of God for themselves again. However, to understand the phrase as temporal, it could be translated, while they crucify the Son of God for themselves again. In other words, while they're in the state of crucifying the Son of God for themselves again, they can't be renewed to repentance. While I don't know for sure, of course, I tend to lean towards this latter application, which would indicate that with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Even the restoration of someone once enlightened who turns away from Christ for a time. Again, a difficult passage. We'll leave it at that and emphasize this. Guys, Jesus did everything necessary for our salvation by dying on a cross for our sins. The payment for our sins is complete. We receive the gift of eternal life by relying completely on what Jesus did for us through the cross. Trust in him fully as one would trust in a parachute. If you struggle with having an assurance of your salvation, just know this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus is the only way to the Father. The cross of Christ is the only way to heaven. We can't be saved through rituals, through religion, through our works. Only Jesus saves. Let's continue here in Hebrews 6, verse 7. For the land which has drunk the rain that comes often on it and produces a crop suitable for them, for whose sake it is also tilled, receives blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is rejected and near being cursed whose end is to be burned. This corresponds well with what Jesus taught in John 15. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Okay, moving on here, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 9. But beloved, we are persuaded of better things for you and things that accompany salvation, even though we speak like this. 
the writer of Hebrews gives some stern warnings, but often combines them with encouraging words for the listeners. We find a similar example in Hebrews 10, 38-39. My righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. So in theory, if one were not to abide in Christ, Hebrews seems to be teaching, God would have no pleasure in him. He would be like a branch whose end is to be burned. But the writer also, inspired by the Holy Spirit, was convinced that the readers were not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith to the saving of their souls. He is persuaded of better things, things which belong to salvation. And if we continue on here in this chapter, verse 10, for God is not unrighteous, so as to forget your work and the labor of love which you showed toward his name, and that you served the saints and still do serve them. We desire that each one of you may show the same diligence to the fullness of hope, even to the end, that you won't be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and perseverance inherited the promises. This passage here it's saying, don't be discouraged, don't give up on Jesus, endure with faith. God remembers you. He will not forsake you. He has a promise for you to inherit, so hold on. Now verses 13 through 20 emphasize how God's promises are indeed reliable. It says, for example, in verse 18, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we may have strong encouragement who have fled for refuge to take hold of the hope set before us. So what are those two unchangeable things? God's promise and his oath. His promise alone is enough to stand upon with confidence since we know the character of God and that his word never returns void. Also, it's impossible for God to lie. But on top of that, God gave Abraham an oath to confirm his promise. All right, Hebrews 6 verse 19, this hope we have is an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and entering into that which is within the veil. Earlier on in Hebrews, the writer warns us against drifting, remember that? Jesus is the hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Being attached to Jesus, we are anchored. And verse 20 says, As a forerunner, Jesus entered for us within the veil, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So this word forerunner in the Greek is prodromos, which was a reference to a reconnaissance man in the military. A forerunner goes forward knowing that others are going to follow. Jesus has entered into the Father's presence in heaven. We who believe will follow. Hebrews chapter 6 concludes with a mention of Jesus having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. It was important for these Hebrews receiving this letter to understand that Jesus is our high priest and perfectly qualified to intercede on our behalf. We're going to see as the writer in Hebrews continues this argument that Jesus is a greater priest with a better priesthood than that of the old law. And next week we'll explore in particular this mysterious man Melchizedek as he relates to Jesus. Our lives are love.
That was Bruised Reed from the Adams Road album, Tongues of Fire.
That was Alive to God from the Adams Road instrumental album, Romans Road. Thanks for joining us today for this program. If you're listening on the radio, we'll be on every Saturday at the same time, or you can find this content which is released weekly. You can search Adams Road Podcast. This is the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. You can learn more about us at adamsroadministry.com. Again, that's adamsroadministry.com. We release a new podcast episode every Saturday. Feel free to join us next week as we examine Hebrews chapter 7. Grace and peace be with you all. <laughs>